The first reading is from Genesis chapter 28, starting at verse 10. And that's on page 30 of the church Bibles. And it's entitled, Jacob's Dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of the God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of the God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. If you're comfortable to do so, please stand for our gospel reading. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. This reading is taken from John chapter 1, verse 47 to the end. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen. Praise, praise to you, O Christ. Be seated. Okay, we'll get back to the Bible in a minute, but first of all, something from the internet. I read the book that blew my mind. The main character goes crazy when he realizes no one really knows him. The gist is that the person you think of as yourself exists only for you, and even you don't really know who that is. Every person you meet, have a relationship with, or make eye contact on the street with, creates a version of you in their heads. You're not the same person with your mum, your dad, your siblings, than you are to your co-workers, your neighbours, or your friends. There are a thousand different versions of you, of yourself, out there in people's minds. A you exists in each version. And yet your you, yourself, isn't really a someone at all. 
Okay, there's all sorts of wisdom on the internet. Um, hello. Whoever you are. Do you know who I am? Mm, I think you do. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that quote. Because on some level we do present different versions of ourselves or inhabit, it's not even a conscious presentation, different versions of ourselves in different situations. Um, you think you know me. Um, I'm quite glad that you don't know what I was like after last ev- yesterday evening after the Oyster website logged me out when I've been on it for 40 minutes trying to sort out a photo card. You wouldn't have liked that me, perhaps. Perhaps you don't like this me, I don't know. Um, today we've got three different stories. Two that we've had in our readings and one which is yours. And I only know my version of any of them. Um, but I thought it would be useful for us to think through in the light of what the lectionary gives us today, the readings that we've been given. And just have a little think about St. Michael and all angels, how God holds it all together. Because I don't know you, I don't even know me. But I know that God knows you. So, if we can have our first picture, please. Ta-da! Wait for it. I just thought it would be helpful to have some little visual reminders. No, that's the second picture, sorry. (laughs) Can we have the other one, please? (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Okay, the story of Jacob. We've just heard Jacob's dream of a ladder ascending up to heaven. And the angels ascending and descending... And we didn't have time to hear the backstory, but please, if you, if you can, if you don't already know the story of Jacob, it's a lot easier to understand these things if we see them in context. Jacob didn't have an easy life. Um, he's known as one of the great biblical heroes. First thing we know about him is that his mum had a difficult pregnancy. His parents were stressed in many ways. He was one of a twin. Jacob and Esau, they were fraternal twins, so not identical. Um, And he, significantly in that culture, was not the firstborn son. He was the second, which was a big deal in those days. The whole business of inheritance was a massively big deal. His name means kind of grabber. Apparently he came out of the womb hanging on to Esau's heel. Esau was the hairy brother. Jacob was the smooth one. And he used his brother to help him out the womb, apparently. Um, So his name has been translated as grasper, grabber, sometimes deceiver. So someone who's kind of trying to get, get on in life, get his way. And we read, as we hear the story of them growing up, that Esau was out there in the fields doing all the macho stuff. He appears to have had the share of testosterone that maybe, I don't know, Jacob didn't have. Because Jacob liked to stay indoors with his mum. And was what we'd probably call these days a bit of an introvert. And if you read through the story and you think about the situation that they were in, this is a family who have been displaced in a culture where 
Resources are scarce. There's more than one famine that crops up in his lifetime. There's quite a lot of insecurity in that. There's quite a lot of rootlessness. And there's a fair bit of social isolation, I think, for the family and for him as the one that stays indoors with his mum. So if we think we know the effects of austerity, and we do see it around us, the stresses that people are under, that there are people in our society who are anxious about putting food on the table and trying to hold down different jobs and trying to... Well, you know what it's like. Let's just think, what effect does that have? We know now that our early experiences have a huge impact on who we are as we go through the world. So here's poor old Jacob, quite a bit of family strife and stress around. And then his twin brother, they've always had a bit of rivalry, um, gets married, not once but twice, to some people who make mum's life very hard. Don't know, what's going on there? We might think in terms of elder abuse these days, I don't know. We've got a dad whose insecurity shows, whose emotional distance shows. If you read through the text thinking about these things, there's a story that you might remember where dad pretends that mum isn't his wife but his sister because he's anxious about their social footing and lots of other things. Not an easy situation to grow up in. We've got a mum who maybe, you just wonder, is she a bit emotionally dependent in this situation? Maybe this marriage isn't great. Maybe she needs to keep Jacob at home. I don't know. I'm reading it through my goggles. You can read it through yours. And then we've got a situation where he tricks his brother out of his birthright. I don't know if you remember that story, and we haven't got time to talk about it all, so do, do look it up. Um, so things aren't going great between the twins here. And there's some dubious morality going on. Not only is dad deceiving people about whether his wife is his wife or not, but his mum is now, just before the story that we've heard, kind of manoeuvring Jacob into a position that suits her, perhaps. I don't know, because she doesn't get on with Esau's wives. And there's a very strange story about Jacob on his deathbed. No, sorry, not Jacob, Dad, Isaac, on his deathbed, blessing the wrong son because mum has tricked him into thinking that he's blessing Esau, the elder son, and passing on the inheritance which meant not just all the family goods and chattels, but it meant the promises that God had given to Isaac of a future that was significant, that was going to change the world. All of that got given to the wrong son. Now, I don't understand the mechanics of that. I don't really understand how they would have understood it. But I can see that mum isn't entirely somebody that I'd want to trust here. In fact, none of them in this story are. And then, just before our story that we heard in the reading begins, things come to a head. Isaac is on his deathbed. (gasps) Esau is on the warpath. And there's a fear of violence, a very real fear of violence in the home. 
So, mummy says, I think you better get out, you're in trouble here. And Jacob, who has been close at home for many years, has to leave. And dad says, go over to the relatives, see if you can find a wife there. So he sets out on this journey. And it's as he set out, and he's left all of that behind, and he's alone in the desert when he has this vision that we heard about the angels going up and down their ladder. Because who we are and how we see ourselves is often a bit of a jigsaw put together by what other people, who other people tell us we are. The signals that we give each other, we create our idea of ourselves from that, don't we? And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're taken away from all that, it's just you and God and you think who am I when I'm not being a mum when I'm not being a whatever who am I and he lays down with a stone for a pillow I think that's an interesting detail I guess he only had one cloak and he was cold he needed to wear it and he had this vision and the vision was an encouragement to him bit weird to us ladder going up to heaven the angels coming up and down it but with it a reassurance that the promises that God had given would come true and that God was with him and it was going to be okay and if you read the text that reassurance comes over very strongly to him and he wakes up a different person and he wakes up with a sense that God is with him And knowing that something significant has happened. And there's something about that vision of the angels going up and down. The earth and heaven have a lot of, there's a lot of spiritual traffic going on. And all through all this stuff at home, all the domestic hoo-ha and what have you. Heaven hasn't switched off. This spiritual traffic of all these angels coming and going... And what that symbolizes, that God has been at work, that things are happening, that Jacob, I think he says in the story, doesn't he? I didn't know. God is in this place and I didn't know it. And you can read the rest of his story later on. Um, How all the dysfunctionality in his family gets passed on to the next generation and the whole sibling rivalry thing goes up a notch with the story of Joseph. Um, We'll have to look at that another day. But that's story number one. Just hold that in mind. And now, could we please have the other, sto- the other picture? Thank you. That's my fig tree. <laughs> it came as a little baby fig tree when I moved here. The other story that we heard in our readings was Nathaniel. Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. You know what about fig trees? A fig tree is a good place to hide, as my cat will tell you. <laughs> First mention of fig trees in the Bible, anyone? Thank you, yeah. Adam and Eve. When, um, when we first decided to go our own way and not go God's way, what was the first consequence of that? We would hide. <laughs> they hid themselves, yeah? Remember that bit? 
what is going on with this story of Nathaniel and Jesus who saw him under the fig tree. We have no idea, basically. But we do know that the words that Jesus spoke to him got right through. They had real meaning to him. Jesus said, when he met Nathanael, here is an Israelite in whom is no guile. There's no messing with him. He's a true, you can trust this guy. And whatever the background was, Nathanael knew himself to be known We don't know what he was doing hiding in the fig tree. Was it something shameful? Was it something that he didn't want anyone else to know about? And the fact that Jesus knew about it and was still prepared to take him on board as a friend? Maybe it wasn't something shameful. Maybe it was a real heroic struggle that he'd been having with his conscience, with his integrity, whether to, I don't know, do the fake news thing or stay true whatever that was that caused him to be hiding away in the fig tree, Jesus knew. Truth and lies are a bit of a big issue for us, aren't they, in, in our uh, national story at the moment. And the truth is so important. And Nathaniel knew that his truth, whether it was shameful or difficult, was accepted by Jesus And he didn't run away. He was drawn towards Jesus. And it reminds me of my favorite psalm. Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know my thoughts from afar. Before a word's on my tongue, you know it all together. Etc. Psalm 139. And then Jesus says to him, You think that's good? Come with us and you will see the angels coming and going. Resonating with that story of Jacob. You will be in touch. Heaven and earth will meet. And of course, we don't have a faith in which we have to climb up to heaven through our good deeds, which is just as well. We have a faith in which God came down to us. And Jesus said to Nathaniel, you will see heaven and earth And Jesus says, the kingdom is among us. Wow. So, just going to leave you wanting to challenge you, really. What's that got to do with us and who we are, who we think we are and who other people think we are? Does anybody know you? Yes. Thank God. God knows us. And there are times when we want to be hiding away. There are times when we're on the run, like Jacob, with just a rock for a pillow. Heaven is open. Jesus has opened the gate. Whatever crisis we're in, it's business as usual in heaven. The angels are getting on doing their thing. Sometimes I think it's a bit like um, a Wi-Fi signal or a radio signal. It's all around us. You can tune into it or not. How do we tune in to that awareness? We can go on retreats. We can take time out. We can just have little things that remind us. 
There's lots of these around at the moment, if you've been looking for them. You know what these are? Michaelmas daisies, yay! <laughs> this is our church flower. <laughs> this is a reminder that's out there on the streets as you go around Wealdstone or wherever today, Harrow Weald, of Michaelmas, with the feast of St. Michael and all angels. We can tune in and be reminded that all that spiritual traffic is happening around us and we might be preoccupied with, oh, I've upset my mum or whatever it is, that the angels are getting on with their business and God knows what it is that we're trying to deal with. The, um, the rule of St. Benedict, I came across something the other day and he teaches that if we want to get up the ladder, we have to go down and be humble. It's in the rule of Benedict chapter 7, if you want to look it up. That humility, going down, is the way up for us. If we want to be in touch with heaven, we need sometimes to let go of the things that establish our status with the people and show them how wonderful we are and find that vulnerable place. And in Celtic Christianity, there's a teaching about thin places that you may have heard of. Thin places, and there's a quote there, are locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses and we're able to catch glimpses of the divine or the transcendent or as this is Eric Wiener talking, whoever he is, or as I like to think of it, the infinite whatever. We can catch glimpses in thin places and we need to tune our signal in. We need to be listening out and looking out for the things that will connect us So it may not be the things that we expect. You may have a time in your past where you remember that sense of, wow, really being in touch with heaven. Well, God seldom does the same thing twice. Next time it might be that you're here for a work morning and suddenly, wow, God is in this place and I didn't know it. That's all I've got to say, really. We might feel that we're insignificant with all this busy spiritual business going on around us. But these stories teach us of our significance. You are seen. You are known, fully known. And you are loved. Amen.